0: What's people? What's happening? Pete Davidson here on a Saturday edition of the Roto Bond podcast. It's week 16, so we're all on total tilt, or at least those of us who are in um, bowl games this week are on tilt. I know I've had trouble keeping my mind on business this week. All I can think about are all the injured players I'm not going to be playing in my games this week. But um, uh, I did manage to get through that little bout of, I don't know if it was flu or whatever it was. I'm feeling a lot better. Um, Thursday was a really, really long day. I think I've spent about 12 hours writing um, the lineup rankings, um, finished them up on Friday. So there's a lot to uh, digest Uh, for those of you who are looking for information on your seasonal matchups. I've got, I think I wrote up, over 50 receivers, uh, 40 running backs. I wrote up every single quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of information there uh, for those of you who are struggling with lineup choices, so please check that out uh, on robot.com. Uh And if you have questions, please hit me on Twitter. I know I've got, I think, over 10 questions that I haven't gotten to yet uh, in my feed. Uh, I know you guys ask questions. I'm going to go scan through it, get to all of it. If you don't have an answer from me by, say... I don't know, maybe 11 a.m. today, absolutely resubmit that question, particularly if it's about, you know, if there are any Saturday implications to it, Uh, but I plan on being done uh, and having this podcast up uh, no later than 1030, uh, and hopefully I will have all of your questions knocked out uh, by 11 a.m., and obviously feel feel free to throw more at me, and obviously we'll do questions again tomorrow for all the Sunday stuff. Um, but today's podcast is going to be about the um, Saturday slate, the three-game slate. This weekend has been a bear, folks. Please forgive me if I don't get to every you know, single thing that we normally do. I will absolutely get some information up there about what I'm doing in the main slate, but I really want to be uh, careful about it and really you know, just honest about where I'm at. This has been a week where I've put a lot of extra time into the seasonal stuff, just because, it's just reading the room, if you will. All the questions I'm getting this week are seasonal. I've had like two questions on DFS all week. So I'm gonna try to put my attention where the stress is, if you will. But It's what I've done. Uh, And now I have sort of, now that I've spent so much time on these players this week, I do have some ideas about these slates. Um, We're gonna get into the Saturday slate in a second. And I am going to make an effort to do a podcast for the Sunday slate. The problem is getting that up today might end up being tough. And I'm not going to do a rush job. Because, you know, doing a rush job on a DFS podcast, when I know my listeners are going to be taking that information and putting some money behind it, to me, you know, it's just self-serving and irresponsible and I'm not going to do it. I'd rather tell you guys to get your information somewhere else to give you rushed information that I wouldn't use myself. Um, And I will be playing the Sunday Slate. Um, The key is for me to get myself into a place where I feel good about the information I would put on the pod. Um, So, you know, what I'm going to do probably is do a a Sunday morning podcast after the Fantasy Football Hour, but it's not going to be the typical 15-20 minute pod. It'll probably be more like 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, not probably not like a full slate walk because, you know, if I sit there and give you guys an hour and 20 minute podcast or an hour and 10 minute podcast, I mean, now you guys have to suck up all that time bef- you know, before you can really do your lineups or, and if you're doing lineup construction while you're listening to a pod, your mind isn't really in either place. Um, you, know, you mess around with some lineups while you're listening to a podcast, but you can't really focus on one or the other. So Probably what I'm going to do um, Sunday morning, just so you guys know, uh, is I'll put up, you know, somewhere 30, 40 minute, um, not a slate walk, but me focusing on probably a handful of games that I'm going to be involved in. Uh, and then just going through the plays that I like the most uh, and giving you guys what I have. Um, but again, it's really important for me to give you for. Like I don't put out plays on the podcast unless I plan on using them. Um, for the most part. And if I have a play that I like that for some reason it's not in my intentions to use it, I try to put it out that way. Like, hey, you know, I like this. I'm not doing enough lineups to use it, but I like it, that kind of thing. Um, And I like the the, the slate to be fully considered. So, you know, basically the way my day is going to be, just so you guys understand, like, how this all works in my mind. Um, I'm going to get this podcast done. I feel good about the three-game slate. Um, when I'm done with this, I'm going to knock out some questions. I'm going to put my three-game slate lineups together. I only have—I already have a couple of them. I'm going to tweak those around. I'm going to get them the way I like it. Get my seasonal Saturday lineup set because I've got action in all three games. Um, and then once I'm done with that, Um, I'm gonna spend some time really doing lineup construction for the Sunday slate, Uh, figure out what I really like, you know, who's fitting into lineups and all that stuff the way I normally do it. I'll sort of do that as I'm watching the games. and then, you know, truthfully, I've got some friends coming over this afternoon. At some point, whiskey's going to start flowing, and I'm not going to get all greased up and then do a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some of you would enjoy it, just being able to laugh at me, uh, but it would be bad information. So um, I'm going to find a way to get everything out in some way, shape, or form. Sorry if it's not at the times we want it, um, but it's just, it's, it's a tough week, so... Um, you know, give me a little bit of slack on that. Uh, it takes time to record these things. And, and again, I don't want to send you guys slipshot stuff. Um, you know, if I can't put out information that I feel good about, again, I'd rather you guys get it from other places. Okay. Long wordy wind up. Sorry about that. Um, so what we're going to do now is first, I'm just, you know, there's six teams on the slate today. I'm going to go through each team in each matchup. Uh, and then at the end, uh, I'll give you some some overall thoughts. Obviously, for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, I put out a pretty lengthy article on WEI this morning. Um, check my Twitter feed. Uh, you know that article is a good. Well, actually, this podcast is a good accompanying uh, piece uh, to that article. All right. Um, so let's just go through these teams one at a time, and then we'll see if we can do some, you know, some synthesizing uh, at the end of the podcast. Um, By the way, anybody who can pick out the name of the song in the intro, I intentionally didn't uh, uh, put any lyrics in there and I didn't uh, announce it, anybody who can come up with the name of that song, uh, hit me on Twitter and and I'll give you a shout out, either on the the pod or maybe on the show tomorrow morning. Um, Just having a little fun with that. And for those people who are Rotobon regulars and who have not donated, get on the stick, man. Donate to the site. (laughs) We need you. Um... You can find the donation button on the upper right-hand side of the homepage at Rotobond.com. If you are a new user and we have never provided you with any value, then enjoy the site and maybe at some point consider donating. But uh, just have to throw that in there. Now, first game up uh, on the docket is going to be the one o'clock game. So let's start there. Let's just sort of go through them one by one based on time. So let's look at Houston. Obviously Houston to me is, you know, the best roster if we're looking for big games. Uh, I think Watson's the best bet for a big game at quarterback. Uh, Obviously he is priced at 7K, so he's priced as such. All of his receivers really are in play. Uh, I'm not in really, you know, Fells, Jordan Aikens, Thomas. You could look at his tight ends. I, I certainly think if you've got a lineup that you love and paying down to 3K or below is a thing you have to do at tight end. Uh, the Houston tight ends are, would, would be a good way to go, particularly if you've got Watson. At least you'd widen your net for hookups. Uh, but it's not something I'm looking to do because I really like the tight ends. Um, so, and, and I'm fading the Houston running backs as well. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde, 5K is a lot for a guy I don't like, so I'm not playing Hyde. And Duke Johnson, you know, look, there's definitely room for a Duke Johnson GPP play, I think, if you're going to play that many lineups. But for me, I'm probably going to do three, maybe four or five. I don't know if Duke exposure is something I'm going to be looking at because Tampa's not a good matchup for pass catching running backs. It's just statistically, it's not a good matchup. Um, so, you know, I could go off the board with some Duke exposure, but that to me, that's what Duke shares are. You're going a little bit off the board. Um, I, like, I'd rather save six... Hundred bucks and go to Burkhead if I was going to do that. Um, obviously, who you're stacking could 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 be a factor there. Um, so Watson is my favorite quarterback for sure, but obviously there are some ownership rate considerations with him. Uh, we'll talk about that as we move through this, I suppose. Um, but you know, Hopkins should be at that seven, eight, nine target area with Fuller active. That's generally where he falls in when Fuller's on the field. Now obviously it's a crush matchup. He's a stud. They don't have anybody to cover him. Hopkins will be the most owned player on the slate outside of maybe Watson. Um, So there are reasons to run away him from a game theory standpoint. But the odds are he's the best receiver out there this week. It's just in terms of raw points. Now you pay for him obviously. You know, do with that what you will. Um, I'm definitely going to be putting a fair amount of Will Fuller shares out there. He's cheaper. He probably has a higher ceiling, but obviously he has a weaker floor. Um, You know, I think Will Fuller's floor is probably like seven or eight PPR points. His ceiling is, you know, 35, something like that. Um, So I think, you know, Fuller makes a lot. Like, if you're going to play Deshaun Watson in a GPP, you know, I think... Fuller makes sense versus Hopkins because the you know the Watson Hopkins stack is going to be so heavily owned. You're really going to have to crush the rest of your lineup and find some differentiation. So if you are doing Watson Hopkins, which again from a raw points perspective makes all the sense in the world, but you're you know you're going to get out there and realize wow everybody did this um, and you're not going to really be any further down the road. It's basically holding serve. It's par. Okay. Um, if you want to differentiate, I think Watson-Fuller is the way to go. If it hits, you will it's still going to be a fairly common play, don't get me wrong, but I think you'll be further away from the field um, if that one hits. Obviously, if you can afford to do a Watson-Hopkins and a Watson-Fuller and then build each one, you know, according and try to, put those things side by side and cover as many angles as you can, I think that's actually a pretty good way to do it. Um, but again, even the Watson-Fuller stack is going to require some some differentiation um, if you're looking to have a lineup that nobody else has, um, you know, for what it's worth. Um, now, Fuller is probably going to play, we're assuming that, Um, If Fuller does play, then Stills is an option, and Kiki Kuti, in my opinion, is not. If, for some reason, Fuller ends up not playing, then Kuti becomes an option, but Fuller's going to play from everything we hear. So, to me, if you want to go off the board um, on the Houston receivers, and certainly in a large field tournament, there's reason to consider that. You know, Stills had a couple touchdowns recently, right? Um, But Stills would be the way to go, to me, not Kuti. Kuti is too thin. There's a possibility he's not active, there's a possibility he doesn't really Get on the field if he is active. So, um, you know, for what it's worth, that's how I see that. And that's basically how I I, I see the Texans. Okay. Um, Should be the offense that has the most production. um, But my way of um, compartmentalizing or capturing, excuse me, uh, that production is going to be Watson, Hopkins, and Fuller with maybe a little Kenny Stills and maybe a little Duke Johnson if I'm doing a lot of lineups. Um, Now, moving over to Tampa. Winston is obviously the second best raw quarterback on the slate because they tend to let him throw a ton. This is a matchup that's good for putting the ball in the air. The obvious problem is that Winston has amassed this reputation, throwing to Godwin and Evans, two high-end receivers. He's going to need to continue that paradigm this week, throwing to Brashad Perryman and Justin Watson, who are a far cry from Godwin and Evans, okay? Now, everybody and their mother is going to be on Brashad Perryman, okay? Now, is Perryman the best shot on the Tampa side to make a big score? He is. He's also priced as such, and he's going to catch all the ownership. So... If you want to pivot away in a GPP, it's, you know, Perryman might be the smart play if you're just laying money on who's going to be the best fantasy option on Tampa. But since everybody's going to be on Perryman, you know, in, in, in cash lineups, we'll talk about cash in a second. In cash lineups, I think Perryman makes more sense. But in GPPs, if he hits most of the field is going to be on him anyway. I think playing Watson, saving money, and giving yourself some other potentialities with your lineup might be the way to go in a GPP. I don't know that Watson is that far behind Perryman. For all we know, he's going to get out there, he'll have the better cornerback matchup, and he may crush it. Um, you know, I think like if I was going to bet on who's going to score the most points, I'd say 60% Perryman, 40% Watson, maybe 65-35, something like that. Um, And given that the field, I think, is going to be more onto Perryman than that percentage, Watson makes sense to pivot, uh, too. But again, I think you are going against where the stats are likely to go. So, you know, again, if you're doing a Winston stack, maybe use both and then come back with, you know, maybe Fuller. Or something like that, um, because if Fuller has a big day, then you know Winston will be chasing, and both the guys will be playable. And you know you hit the the, the high Houston guy, and then you sort of throw a wide net at the Tampa guys. Use the Patriot defense, uh, maybe George Kittle or something like that to keep yourself in some of these other games. Um, but let's sort of walk through. Uh, these Tampa guys. So Winston, I think, you know, at 69, obviously not as good play uh, as Watson, but, you know, if you want to sort of play the field, you can pivot to Winston. Um, You know, if Winston then outscores Watson, you're in very good shape. Um, Ronald Jones, I think, at 4,400, I like him in tournaments. I think, obviously, Jones has shown that on any week, he can be basically nothing, and he can make big plays. This is a week where Arians has said he wants to get the backs more involved. So, if he's getting the backs more involved in the passing game, which he has directly said he wants to do, it really almost has to be either Jones or Gumbawale, okay? Now, wale 3,300 units, if you have the guts to pivot to Darre Gumbawale, God bless you, and, and it's not insane, but it's thin, okay? You know, he really hasn't done much. I don't think he's had more than five receptions in a game all year, um, and when you put him on the field, you know, the thing is Jones isn't as good a receiver as him, but Jones is a threat to run the ball and he's more explosive. So Jones makes a defense think when he's in the backfield, whereas Ogumba Wale is a tip to what's coming. So I think if I know Arians, he's gonna try to do it with Jones. And I think, you know, I'm willing to pay the extra eleven hundred bucks to get Jones in my lineup in that scenario. I think Jones is a smart sort of differentiation piece if you are stacking Um, with Winston because I think his big plays will be with the passing game and you'll be hooking up with your quarterback so um, if I'm playing Winston I'm probably going to take a chance and stack Ronald Jones Um, and then you know again my general approach as I say in the article with the running backs is to make sure I'm rostering running backs who save me money and catch passes that's my basic idea Um, so Winston, we like. We like him even more if we're using him to differentiate. Uh, Ronald Jones is the piece I want to use here. Barber, you know, Barber would be a guy I could I would use if I'm doing mass entry, but not, not with just a handful of lineups. Uh, now, both of the Tampa tight ends are viable, both of them. Uh, OJ Howard, you know, has been playing um, up, upwards of 80% of the snaps. He's been much more involved over the last couple weeks. Now we have a plus matchup. The two huge target, you know, guys are out. There's basically a huge target vacuum, as I say in the article, and Howard is one of the guys who can fill that void. Um, But the thing we really like about Howard, and it's, you know, this is a good spot to put this guy in your lineup. Is it risky? Oh, yeah, it's all kinds of risky. But, again, if we're in a GPP, we need to embrace some risk. We have to. We're, We're looking for some guys who people will be scared of but who have a lot of potential. Howard fits that to OT because everybody hates him, who drafted him. People who didn't draft him are mocking the people who did. He's a guy who right now carries a certain level of disdain in the fantasy community. But, you know, let's not forget, this guy was a high pick in the draft for a reason. He's scored a lot of long touchdowns in his college and his, and his NFL career. He's on a long cold streak, but his usage is up in recent weeks. The only thing we haven't really seen from O.J. Howard over the last three weeks is the big play. So, you know, I, the, the odds on it happening this week, I think, are pretty good. Um, now, you know, I, I think a solid 50% chance that we get what we've been getting the last couple weeks, which is, you know, five or six targets, three or four catches, 40 to 60 yards. That's out there for sure. But don't forget that O.J. Howard is a guy. And, and Watson and Perryman are guys who do have speed, they are, you know, big, fast, athletic guys. They're not the talented receivers that Godwin and Evans are, but they are big, fast, and talented. They can run the scheme. The, the the paradigm can be similar. You're going to see a lot of downfield attack. And what that does is it opens up the underneath for Howard, who's a demon after the catch. I mean, he can... he can, he, I mean, OJ Howard can freaking run. So, I wouldn't put my life on OJ Howard this week. Like, if I'm making 10 lineups, I would put Howard in half of them. Like, I'd give myself some outs on OJ Howard... But man, in GPPs, I want exposure. I really do. The upside is really high. In seasonal leagues, he's a tougher thing to consider because guys who might go, you know, four, five, six, seven points—that that might be a tough pill to swallow in a bowl game. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to walk away from a bad lineup in DFS than it is in Week 16. Um, but having said that, if upside is what your lineup needs. Howard is someone to consider. I'm probably playing him in one of my lineups this week. I don't love it, but I need some. I need somebody who can get a big play for me. Um, so I think Howard really is worth consideration in GPPs. Uh, you know, probably not for the risk averse. He's tough to experience. Sometimes he might not catch a ball in the first quarter, and you're sitting there going, "Oh boy, what did I do?" Um, but he's the kind of guy where he could have a bagel going into the fourth quarter, and he could score 20 points. So. Horses for courses. Now, if you want to play a little bit safer, save five hundred bucks, go to Cameron Braid. Cameron Brait, In fact, you know what? Let's let's pull this up just 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 for kicks and giggles. Let's. I want to just sort of see. You know, now last week obviously uh, wasn't a full blown thing because Godwin played sixty one percent of the snaps last week, um, but Brait still managed to get. 40%, which is about 10% up from his norm. This week with Godwin not playing at all, I think Breit probably, you know, unless this Ismail Hyman guy um, is a guy they want to put on the field a lot, I think Cameron Brait sort of becomes the de facto third receiver or slot. And I think his snap rate could move up towards 70%. Um, and in that scenario, uh, I think he's a good play at 3,500 on this slate. Um, in fact, it would not be outrageous um, to put Brait as your tight end and O.J. Howard as your flex. It's a play, um, and it allows you to stuff in some studs at other at other places. Um, okay, now we're already over 20 minutes here. Um, now makes sense we were covering I think the big game uh, but I've got some more stuff I want to get into uh, let's let's move up to uh, uh, over to whatever to the 430 game uh, Buffalo at New England. Um, Josh Allen's off my board. I do not trust him in this matchup. Yeah the savings are extreme. if you're playing mass entry, yeah, absolutely you do a couple Josh Josh Allen lineups, sure. Because you never know. What if he goes out and runs for 70 yards and two touchdowns? It's absolutely possible. I just think it's very unlikely against Patriot defense. I just think they're legit good, um, and they will be disciplined. Uh, and even if Allen is running, I don't think the damage is going to be extreme. But I'm only playing probably four or five lineups, right? Right. If you're playing twenty, that's different calculus. If you're playing fifty, that's way different calculus. Okay, so there's a there's a reason to use Josh Allen. I don't think many of the people who are listening to my podcast, you know, are people who fit into that paradigm. I know I don't. Okay. Um, so there are reasons to get involved with Allen. I don't think it makes a lot of sense if you're just playing a, a short number of lineups. I do think Devin Singletary at 5,500 is very much in play because he can catch five or six passes in the game. Uh, I don't think he's going to light the Patriots up, but on this slate, the fact that he's not you know, the top-priced running back and he may have one of the better workloads, I think he's in play. Uh, Frank Gordamy is not in play. Doesn't fit the paradigm. Um, not a PPR guy. Uh, better ways to spend that kind of money um, from my point of view. Uh, Dawson Knox, not a guy I'm going to use, but I do think if you were going to do an Allen stack, he makes sense at 2,700 units. It's liberating, um, but for me, not not really in play. John Brown, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, probably most likely to use Isaiah McKenzie. It would be in a scenario where it's like, man, I only got 3K left. What do I do? Um, but John Brown, I don't like his matchup. Cole Beasley... You know, maybe, like if I was going to stack Allen, probably I would do it with Beasley, but for the most part, I'm just fading the bills. I'm fading the bills. That's what I'm doing. Um, the Singletary is probably the exception. I'll have some limited exposure. Uh, Brady, I think, is worth stacking at 5,200 because it changes the paradigm of how you can build your team. You're saving major bucks off the big names, it, but it's thin. Okay, What are the odds Tom Brady has a big day against his defense? Because that's pretty much what you're going to need him to do to make that payoff. You're going to need in excess of a 20-point day, uh, probably in excess of a 25-point day. Watson could put up in the 30s. Now, we can score less than Watson and win with Brady, but it can't be a lot less. Okay. Um, Now, the positive with Brady is that, as I was saying with Jim Hackett on on our podcast yesterday, The target tree is fairly thin. So, like, if I go with Brady, I could just put White and, you know, and excuse me, Edelman in there, and I feel like I've got a lot of his targets. So, that's a good thing. If they were to both have good days, that would be a way to really go high up on the leaderboard. Obviously, there's plenty of risk that it doesn't work at all and your lineup just craps out completely. and I also mentioned this idea with Jim yesterday, and I've tried it in one lineup. I'm probably going to keep it, just one lineup. Uh, but stacking Brady with White and Burkhead and trying to capture, you know, fading Sony Michelle, which is a 50 50 shot. I think Michelle could end up being okay. But if you know, if the Patriots can't run and they do fall behind a little bit and they go to the pass, you could be in really good shape in a scenario like that. Uh, Patriots tight ends too thin um, for my money. Like there's just like too many of them. Um, I'm just going to look at the the, the snaps from last week. But yeah, Watson, 52, Lacoste, 75. And neither one of them are really being targeted heavily. It's too thin for me. You'd have to be playing mass entry to get involved with any of the Patriot tight ends. You're basically just playing on an outlier. Um, As far as the Patriot receivers go, uh, Edelman I think is the best option, but clearly he's suboptimal because he's not really healthy right now. I think in GPPs in Kilharry at 4K, Again, you're playing the scenario where Buffalo somehow gets ahead. Um, You know, I think if you're going to play it, the way to do this would be to stack Brady with Harry and then use some type of chip from the Bills side that would allow them to be competing. Maybe Singletary would be a way to go there. Um, You know, I think Harry at 4K, he's shown us enough. He's shown us some touchdown chops. Again, you're into a thin, You're basically what you're doing here is going for the thin play to differentiate from the field and hoping it hits. This is a low probability thing. Um, so if you're risk averse and you don't like any scenario where things go bad for you, avoid doing this kind of thing. Play to the fat part of the field. Uh, but if you like taking a chance, this would be a way to do it. The one guy on the Patriots side who bugs me, and, and Dorsett and Jacoby Myers feel thin right now. I, I'm not worried about them. Again, mass entry, maybe. Uh, Dorsett in particular in that uh that uh, paradigm. But the guy on the Patriots side who bugs me is Sanu because he's playing a lot of snaps. He'll probably get some targets. He's priced way down at 38, but he hasn't looked good. And, you know, I think New England might have made a mistake rushing him back so soon. I think keeping him on ice might have been a better move. Um, but, you know, there were reports that he had a high ankle, and the way he's playing, to me, adds credence to those reports. So, you know, like, I love Sanu at 3,800. If it's, if Mohamed Sanu is actually healthy, he's a good play here. He's exactly the kind of player the Patriots are going to need to use in a game like this. Um, but I don't know that he's healthy. So I'm probably going to, I'm definitely thinking about doing the lineup with Sanu in it, with Brady. But you know, I'm, I'm I'm hemming and hawing. I'm just not sure because I don't trust the health of his knee. Uh, but if you think Sanu's healthy, you know, at 3,800, if you're if you're making a Brady lineup or an Allen lineup, um, you know, Sanu might be a guy to consider. Um, you know, but I'm just off it because I don't trust the health. Um, you know, sorry, that was a lot of. A lot of words, but you know that's 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 Sanu to me is sort of he's a guy that's bugging me because I keep looking at him and I'm like man, easy to get into my lineup, you know, you know even last week being banged up. I mean I didn't think he looked real good, but he did play eighty six percent of the snaps. So since he's returned twenty two fifty eight eighty six, he's clearly getting healthier. Um, So if you feel good about Sanu, if you've got a gut feeling about Sanu. Yeah, maybe take 9 bucks and create a new lineup. I don't know. Um, Okay, so we've looked at the Patriot game and the Bills game. We've looked at the Houston-Tampa Bay game. Let's get into this Ram-San Francisco game for a couple minutes. Um, Basically, on the Ram side, I'm fading it. I don't like Goff in this matchup. Uh, On the road, on grass, against a strong defense. There's so many reasons not to play Goff here. Um, Again, mass entry, differentiation. God bless you if you want to go that way. It's not for me. I'm not even considering the depth running backs on the Browns. Uh, on the Rams, they're not playing enough. Gurley's the only guy to consider. The problem is, and be careful, Gurley last week you look at his fantasy point totals, you're like, "Hey, he had a good game." The truth of the matter is, he got two cheap touchdowns and it saved a really bad day, okay? And this is a tough matchup. So to me, Gurley's a guy who's gonna draw ownership because of his name, I think the way to play that is to let those people roster him, you fade him. Unless he goes nuts in a tough matchup, you're probably gonna gain by fading. That's how I'm gonna play Gurley. So. Fading Goff, fading Gurley, not even considering the Rams' other running backs. Uh, they're tight ends. I'm not playing Everett on his way back. He does neg- negatively affect Higby in theory. He will probably negatively affect Higby's ownership. I'm still willing to play Higby um, depending on who my quarterback is. Like If I'm starting Garoppolo, I like Higby as a comeback correlation piece, um, and I'll put Kittle in my flex. Um but that's, you know, I'm not sure if there are any other scenarios where I'm using Higbee. Um, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. It would have to, like, I, it, would, it would have to be a sort of a cost-considered thing where it's like, well, I've got 5K. I guess I'll use Higby Um... I think Cup is in play, but he's too much money for me to really get excited about. Woods is in play, too much money for me to get excited about. Cooks is, I don't think, in play because he's too thin and San Francisco tackles too well. No way I'm using Josh Reynolds against this disciplined defense. Garoppolo is the quarterback I would use in this game. I think he's a better play and he's cheaper. Uh, We saw that even in tough matchups, this is a really good scheme and because they spread the football around, they're tough to scheme against. So I think Garoppolo's the quarterback to use. Uh, In fact, I think if I'm going with a quarterback away from the Tampa-Houston game, Garoppolo's the guy I'm going to go with. Um, And when I'm going with Garoppolo, I'm going to stack him with Kittle, uh, and I'm going to consider using Mostert, but it may be hard to find the money for Mostert, so I may not use Mostert because of the money. And then when it comes to the receivers, I think Kendrick Bourne, if you're really going thin, has merit. Uh, if you're mass entering, I think there's room for some Kendrick Bourne. Um, Samuels, I think, is a guy his name will draw some ownership. He's more money than Samuel, and he's likely to be drawing Jalen Ramsey on the on in coverage. So for me. If I'm adding a stacking piece other than Kittle, my most likely one's Debo Samuel at 5,100. He's cheaper than Mostert. He's cheaper than uh, Emmanuel Sanders. uh, And I think he has probably the best matchup of the receivers on the 49ers who are going to be playing high snap totals. Um, So that's sort of how I see all the players in that game. Okay, we're already at about 30 minutes here. I know I don't want to bear you guys with an hour-long podcast, so um, I'm just gonna give you now a couple slate, uh, a couple thoughts that I have just on the slate um, on the whole when you look at all three games at the same time. So, you know, one thing to remember when we're getting into these smaller slates where you've got, you know, two, three, four games, the, the pricing is obviously looser. Um, you, you may have an optimal lineup where you're leaving two, three, four, or 500 bucks on the table. Um, if you're doing a lot of lineups, definitely do not be afraid to have a lineup where you're leaving money on the table. It might be the only way to effectively differentiate if you're trying to do 10, 20 lineups, something like that. Um, and mass entry, I mean, even more so, you you know, it, 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 you know, don't have enough options like you do in the main slate where you're gonna be able to stay optimal while feathering up to that price line, okay? Um, so even in cash, I think leaving a couple hundred bucks on the table is absolutely okay on a slate like this. It's much more important to like the plays than to feel like you're maximizing your dollars. I, I know that seems counterintuitive in DFS on some level, but on a small slate, I, I, like, if you could go back at, after these games have played, I guarantee you, maximizing points will not be at 50K. It won't. I, I'd be surprised if it is. Um, so, uh, be more open minded in terms of leaving some salary on the table. I'm not saying, you know, aim to do it, but don't worry about it. Okay. Um, now, you know, there are plenty of guys on this slate that are expensive that I'm fading, like uh, Cup. Uh, I think for the most part, Edelman, uh, some Edelman, I'm not gonna probably get into Robert Woods. Um, I'd like to fade Perryman as much as possible, uh, although I'm also gonna keep an oar in the water on him. He might be in that 50% area. Uh, Mostert, I think, is a good player, he's playing well, but um, I'm probably gonna be under 50% on him even though I like him. Um, the volume is inviting a fade. He's, you know, If he touches it more than 15 times, that would be surprising. Um, the guys who I'm really leaning towards getting involved in uh, are Fuller, uh, Hopkins to a lesser degree. I'm, I'm warming up to Singletary more and more because he could catch some passes. Um, you know, I think I, I spoke about Debo Samuel before. He's a guy I like as a sleeper. OJ Howard's a guy I really like uh, because, again, I think the field's going to be away from him. Now, I'm embracing risk on the slate. If my teams crap out, I really don't care. I mean, I care, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing this thing in fear. I'm playing sort of to put a good lineup together, um, that can compete and get up on the leaderboards, um, you know, cashing, not cashing, you know, whatever at this point, I'm too tired to care. And I'm mostly tilting on my seasonal stuff. Um, so, you know, as I said in my article and then read the article, the article's not bad. Um, I'm probably going to create, um, and this is important. I'm going to probably create some cash lineups. They're going to, all center around Watson. Um, And I'll probably create just one. Uh, And what I'm gonna do is I'm simply going to get as many touches and targets as I can in a lineup with Watson at the top. Um, so it's going to, it'll probably stack him with both of his top receivers. Uh, then I may mix in a, a value piece from the other side. Uh, and then I'll probably try to get Kittle. Um, and then the core of all my teams, as I mentioned in the article is going to be the Patriot defense. I just feel like they are so strong. The bills are set up for to turn the ball over. The Patriots realize they have to have a phenomenal defensive game plan in this game because they may not be able to score points so you know I everything in my heart and mind says this is a good time to bet on Belichick Um, So I'm heavily betting on paying up that 4K to get to the Patriots, it's part of my core strategy in cash, in GPPs, in everything. Um, You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but like to me that's one just screaming thing on the slate that just makes all the sense in the world and the beauty of it is the Patriot haters are gonna find some way in their brain to fade them. So many people hate the Patriots, I think it'll keep ownership down a little bit. Um, So I'm not even worried that it's gonna be chalk too much, although it probably will be chalk. So, you know, Kittle, I'm really on. Patriots, I'm really on. I want to fit in O.J. Howard. I'm using a tight end in the flex. Uh, Watson is my cash, and I think the highest raw quarterback, but I'm also gonna make GPP teams with Winston and with Garoppolo, and for fun, I'm gonna throw Brady one out there. It's basically a bet on the Patriots, that they're gonna find a way to win the game um, and go high pace, try to tire out the bills, and just complete a bunch of passes. It's a little thin, but I think it'll be low owned and I'm just gonna sort of do it for fun. Um, Is there any other general stuff that I haven't hit here? Um, I mentioned that I'm sort of fading the Rams receivers. Okay, you know what, this is a good thing to talk about. Um, With my approach, what's the downside? Well, the downside is if the Rams have a good day, I'm fucked. (laughs) I'm gonna get my ass kicked if the Rams have a good day. Uh, If the Bills have a really big day, I'm probably in trouble. you know, th- those are really the things that, that that stick out as scary to me. If um, Stills has a big day, because I'm probably not gonna get to the Stills thing, he could throw uh, a fly in my ointment. Uh, a huge day from Carlos Hyde. Um, that may hurt everybody, not just me. I'm not sure how bad that would be, uh, but I'm worried about it. Um, Duke Johnson will probably be owned by more people than me, so a big, huge day from Duke uh, would be a problem. Um, You know, those are the kind of things, you know, Sony Michelle having a monster day would probably help some people and not me. Um, uh, Ronald Jones is another guy I'm really looking at getting involved in. I didn't mention that um, in the wind-up, but I think at 4,400 units with uh, the approach we expect Tampa Bay to take, um, I think in GPPs some Jones exposure would make sense because I don't know how many people are going to be willing to roster him. But this is a slate that's gonna be, you know, you're gonna know who to root against once you put your team out there you know one thing about this slate that's going to be a little maddening is that it's the first game i think that's going to draw most of my ownership and i think most of the field's ownership so in some ways we'll be rooting against offense uh, for about seven hours or something like that Uh, but you know what if you roster the patriots defense that gives you something to root for Um, and obviously a lot of you guys are patriot fans so you're already rooting for them Um, but yeah i mean my general my general approach is i'm going to focus on the one o'clock game I'm going to use the Patriot defense in the 4 o'clock game, maybe with a piece here or there in that game. And then I'm going to use Kittle and maybe one or two other pieces um, from the late game. That's, that's my general overall approach. Um, so, hey, uh, onward and upward to all you folks. Good luck to everybody who's in a seasonal final this week. I hope you all bring home titles. Um, and, uh, again, I will be back. Um, tomorrow. uh, I will be updating the rankings as well, Um, maybe an update before one o'clock today if anything breaks that I need to change. Um, I think there's a better than 50% chance I will upgrade some of the things tomorrow morning if I see moves that need to be made. Um, So you know probably around 1130 tomorrow morning look for a lineup rankings update. Uh, Jim Hacken and I will be live tomorrow morning as always doing our show talking about uh, our big matchups. Jim and I play in two finals this weekend. And as much as it absolutely pains me to say it, I think he's got me in both. I've just, man, I've just lost too many players. It's a really tough year to be in the final and have a whole bunch of injured players. But I think most of us who are there, that's what we've got. And, you know, as as painful as it is, it obviously beats the alternative. Um, So that's going to do it for this Week 16 Saturday um, Slate podcast. Again, I will be back with uh, some form of a Sunday DFS podcast tomorrow. Um, But for everybody playing today's slate, good luck. For everybody who's got uh, bowl action today, good luck. Uh, Onward, upward, and I'll see you tomorrow. It's a crime.